We're very thankful to be here with you guys, and uh, it's just an honor. It's been many years. We were before COVID is the last time we were here, so I uh, haven't had a chance to come back into this uh, part of Canada. So we're just so glad to be here with you and to uh, share with you. You guys have been partners with us for many, many years. Uh, I found out today, I found something new about my wife that I never, I, I knew she was a member here back in the day, but pastor says that she's still a member here. So uh, I'm sorry she hasn't voted in a while, but uh, so I'm glad no one's looking at her tithe or anything like that. So, uh, but, but so it's just great to be back and uh, you are part of, especially my wife's history and she was here on the worship team and she was singing and she was part of the, the young adults back in the day. So uh, we're just very thankful uh, to be with you guys again. And so as, today I want to share really what's on my heart about what God has been doing. Our, after being 30 years overseas, there is uh, a lot of things that you could do, but to focus your time and what you should be doing is really where we're at currently. And so uh, we're going to talk about, I'm going to share a little bit about mentoring today and uh, what that all means. And even in the video that was shown, uh, at least in the, in the live church, uh, because uh, some of the areas there mentioned, uh, they have pictures there. So as we look at uh, mentoring, I had a, a leader, uh, a businessman from Hershey, Pennsylvania one day, we were out in his, on his property and he asked me the question, he said, who have you mentored to take your place? So I did hit it, Carrie, and I'm gonna hit it again, see if it goes forward, okay. Who have you mentored to take your place? And I just really, it was really a challenge and I've thought about that question many years because he saw many business people start businesses and run that and then when they retired, that was it. Or whatever the, the situation was. And who have you taken alongside and walked with to take your place? Or have we just kind of gone, done our thing and then when we're done, that's it. And so this is really challenging and I've thought about that and thinking about that a lot. And some of us who are maybe uh, older, we're just thinking, okay, you just get the young people, and it's great to see all the young people are on the worship team here, and they're more teachable, qualified, and more willing. And then I myself also have to put aside my own tiredness, and my perspective to let's go retire, uh, or you know, someone else can do it, I'm not qualified. We just gotta put those things aside to mentor other people. And, uh, and it's really what God has called us to do currently uh, in, our, in our ministry that we're doing is that God is calling us to mentor others and to help them. And so some of us think we could do it alone. Some of us, even as uh, workers, ministers overseas, we think we could just do it on our own and we just uh, go for it and look, uh, look to others kind of to fill the gaps that we want to fill in. And uh, so this is also my challenge sometimes. But really teaming with others. And I learned this early on when we were in Tajikistan. I came in thinking we need to do it, you know, plan a church this way. And a lot of my teammates kind of challenged me on, well, why are we doing it that way? And I found out that a lot of the things I thought were because my home church uh, was, did it this way, and I thought this is the way we should do it. But here we're working with these people who have never been to church, uh, never been part of any community, and uh, we're in a city that had no church. The nearest church uh, building was about a two and a half hour drive away. And so it was very challenging in those days in ministering there. And as we looked at that, and I think of the verse here is that Jesus, the people were persecuted, Peter and John, and the key thing they said about them is that they knew 
they had been with Jesus. They knew that these disciples were with Jesus and had suffered and walked with him all those days. So when I think about these things, also I think about what is mentoring. The other day Sharon and I were talking about mentoring and what does it mean? Is it really, is mentoring just discipleship? Or is it, uh, is it something different? When I think of discipleship, I think a lot of like teaching and teaching new believers and, and instructions, because I'm more of a teacher. And so when I think of mentoring, I think a little bit differently. I love the verse that the family ministries read in Ephesians. It talks about equipping the body of Christ to do the work of ministry. And that's what it is. It's equipping and empowering. And doing the ministry is not just uh, manipulating and controlling other people. And so uh, I think all of us have been in situations, circles, work, or even a church, where someone just kind of manipulates and kind of controls what happens. And really, it's God's business what takes place. It's his job. And so we want to partner with Jesus. We want to partner with God and see those things. And then we want to equip others. And so I've really thought about that empowering. All, you, know, you take someone and you're, we just started a new church plant and how much uh, uh, ability or, uh, to, do you give them to lead? And so we're always working with, literally, the churches that we have started uh, in the Middle East have been, uh, some of them up to 100 people. Every single one in that congregation has come from a Muslim background. Every single one. So they've never grew up in a church. They've never been part of anything And now they're in a church, and they're believers, and how much do you empower and give to them? It's really uh, trusting in God and what to do. And uh, as anything you give over to anybody, they're not going to, first of all, they're not going to do it the same way, right? You know, my mom had a certain way that she wanted the dishes done, right? And so, but we went overseas and all the dishes, you know, that little tub and putting the hot water and and washing those dishes in that, and that little tub was not the way to do it overseas when all the dishes were so greasy. So when you put your first dish in it, the the water's gone, right? And Muslims really, they believe in, you know, flowing water is pure. So why would you put it into a little tub? You know, once you made the first one, it's all dirty after that, right? So if you look at life too, the way you want to do it, is not the way the next person is going to do it. They may increase or be improved on the system, but that's part of mentoring and part of empowering them and just looking for God to be, the whole thing is not uh, looking for success. I'm reading the book Mentorship 101 by John Maxwell. He's a Christian, a writer, and he says that, you know, equip the people you mentor for professional success. And I'm thinking, well, uh, in my world, he's missed the mark. That's not, what, that's not what God has called us to do. We're not out to train people to be professionally successful. But we're out to train people to be faithful, to be obedient to God, and to you know, equip them to do the work of ministry. Ministry is caring for other people, walking alongside those people, helping them, caring for them, and just being with them in their difficulties. And to me, that is not professional success. Professional success is different. And so when we look at what God wants us to do, we, we look at what, what God has called us to do, and I'm going to mix in what, what God has been doing in our lives, and some of that has been helping and mentoring leaders in Central Asia to start house churches. And so the church that we started there was a house 
Uh, our kids were actually non-church kids, which was the hardest thing when we came to Canada one summer, where they all cancel Sunday school in the summertime, at least up in Borden and other places we went to, and our kids had never sat in church before because our kids were like a house church Sunday school setting, and now they had to sit in church, and they're like, oh, what do we do? And I remember Lydia, who's now, you know, has her own little child, she was like crying, I can't see you. You know, and so the whole thing about what is a house church and what there, what in that society was a whole different uh, situation for us. And also, we we saw some pictures of the uh, the church we've kind of helped start with a team there. And all of this work, believe me, is never we're not alone. It's always a team. There's always other people working. There's also nationals. We never work alone. We always try to bring other people alongside and to help and work with us. And so another project is working with these and bringing, uh, I mentor two guys. One is actually working with refugees from Syria who are Kurdish, and he is working with them and helping them and walking aside, aside, alongside them in a country that doesn't want them there and wants to boot them all out anytime they get a chance to do that. And another guy who, is, uh, who I actually uh, baptized, and he's an Afghan, and he works with an Afghan home group, just got married, and uh, just sat with them about two weeks ago, and I mentor and work with him as he works alongside the Afghans, who also, as I asked, what is the future for you guys here, uh, for all the Afghans in that country? And they said, it's either we get forced out, deported, or we have to go west or somehow find another way. And so a lot of people are stuck in between, and they're believers uh, because they've come to Christ on this journey of uh, trying to look for something different uh, in their lives. So as we look at that, we look at, I looked especially about how did Jesus uh, mentor Peter? Obviously, Jesus discipled Peter, and there was teaching. You can read through the Gospels and see all the teaching that goes on. You can look at the book of Mark especially. They say it's mostly the perspective maybe of Peter. And so you see how he discipled him. But I want to look at the aspect of mentorship, how he empowered him or how he worked with him. And I say the first thing is he just invited him to join along, to come along. So whatever you're doing, I want you to think about your circle, where you are, whether it's here in the church or a little ministry, whatever you're doing, or the people you know, the people you're interacting with. And I want you to think about that. And who of those people have you asked to join you in what you're doing? That's kind of the first step, going along and being together, being together and doing those things. So Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and uh, we just sang that song, Follow, I will follow you, I will serve you, I will love the people you love. Yeah, very challenging song, very appropriate. And Jesus, I want you to look at this passage here in Matthew 4, he just calls him, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I want you to know that it's not like going down to the mall here, and then you meet someone in the mall, and he says, hey, Follow me. I want to make you fishers of men. Like you don't know who the person is, a stranger, and you're thinking, who in the world is this guy? Okay, Jesus was from, he grew up in Galilee. He's up in Galilee, and he sees these people that he probably has had many conversations with and interactions with, and he's actually probably been with them, sat with them, and taught with them. And he says, now, after knowing who I am, follow me. Because these guys are leaving their place of work, the places they have, have um, kind of learn their trade and what does it say twice immediately they left this was not something that lo and behold Jesus met Peter that day hey I'm Jesus oh I'm Peter I'm Simon come follow me no there was some background 
There was some interaction that's taken place. There were many, many conversations, many cups of tea, as we say today, cups of coffee, right, that have taken place together before this happens, but immediately shows also the authority of Jesus Christ. In this world, we look at so many different things in North America, and we see all sorts of opinions, ideas, and they speak with such authority. But the reality is Jesus says, I give you all authority. I am with you. Jesus is that authority, and that's why they immediately left their nets. They forsook those things, and then they went on. Now, I realize that ministry is not just being a missionary, pastor. I have to leave everything forsake. There's many different aspects, many different ways to serve. Your life needs to be ministry wherever you are, in the sense of you need to care for other people wherever you are. You need to help them, work with them, walk alongside them wherever you are. And that's what I would define as mostly as ministry here. God has called us, I said before, like work along with Central Asians. He's having a conversation this week with a, a lady who's been to Bible school, has been serving along fi- alongside the, her father in the house church that we helped start way back in the day. And we just sit with her and we talk with her and we say, what's going on and what do you feel, what's the latest, how can we pray for you? And so these things, like we in, in some sense, we're inviting her in to our organization so that we can better care for her and help her. And so uh, this is one of the things that God has brought about in our lives. And so also I look at um, just joining together, working together uh, on these things. And so the next thing that Jesus did when he mentored Peter is was that he instilled Peter with a purposeful living and ministry. So... This is a slow clicker. There we go. All right. So we enjoying and just some of the pictures of some of the people in Central Asia, some of the house church, literally the one on the uh, left, it's very, you know, if we had this many people in the city that we worked in, it would be amazing. Even now, there's probably not even a dozen believers in the city we used to work in. You don't know how good you have it. Small groups and just the struggle of even meeting and being allowed to meet. So this is an opportunity to walk alongside these people. And as we're back, we are requesting some of our home churches to think about supporting some of these national workers that we've known since they're children. The lady here on the upper right, she hung out with our kids. She's in our home in Istanbul talking to Sharon. And so there's many different ways. The second way that Jesus mentored Peter is that he instilled Peter with purposeful living and ministry. To, Jesus says, and I love the, ver, the verse in Matthew 16, 18. A lot of controversy about this passage, but the key thing is Jesus makes a statement that gives us all purpose, and Jesus says, I will build my church. Swift Current Church here, Bridgeway, It's not built by different pastors. Praise the Lord that God has used different leaders, ministers. But the reality is that we need to partner with Jesus, walk with him, and let him build his church, build up the body the way he wants to do the work. And so some of them are house churches that we're working with. Some of them is a building in Middle East that has been 
built, been registered with the government as a building. The first floor is a cafe. Second floor has a, like an exercise area. Uh, and the third area has offices and business areas for people to work. And on the side of that, there is a climbing wall. On the outside of the building, there is going to be another climbing wall up to the fifth, sixth floor. And so this, because the area nearby has a lot of mountains, a lot of mountain climbing. So we have the, the businesses supporting the work that's on the upper floors, which is a congregation speaking different various languages in that area, and ministries and uh, seminar spaces, and this is some of the pictures you saw previously is in that location. And so we just thank you, the Lord, for what he is doing. We want to partner with Jesus to build his church in those areas, in those places, that he is calling people out to come to Christ. And so you've been a part of that. This is part of what God has actually allowed us to be in this one of our teams to be in this location. It's actually one of the first times in this country that we've actually walked into a building that is official and actually the, the government knows that we are doing religious work in that, in that place. A lot of times we do house groups and other things, but you know, this great opportunity that's been come, that come our way, we're very thankful for. And so on the coast there in the Mediterranean is uh, this great opportunity that has come. And so another thing that he has mentored, Jesus has challenges Peter. To be a mentor, we need someone who's willing to speak into your life, to ask you the hard questions, and able for you to freely speak without being judged, that that person's going to care for you and pray for you. What are you looking at? What are you thinking about? What consumes you? What are you desiring? And through the years, I've had different mentors even now, it's kind of a, I need more because all the people come and go so many years. And, but I've had him a few years ago. I had a, a really good mentor, and I still contact with him in Pennsylvania. He lives in Pennsylvania. And uh, really, some of those early questions helped our team to the point that one couple who had very strong, had very difficult situation, because of that accountability that we had with the husband, Today, they still continue to serve. They came back and they got their help that they needed for many years, and but then now they still serve uh, among um, um, the people that they love. And so, but being honest and transparent. Here, Peter is saying, no, 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 Lord, you know, far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen. You know, this is not good. This is terrible. And Jesus, which I don't, he says, get behind me, Satan. What you're thinking is not God's plan, is not the plan that God has for me. And he, they're so transparent, so honest, talking about e each other. Now, this is not, a, I don't never think this is a reason you can call somebody Satan. I've had other people in our part of the world, the believers say, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the work of Satan. You know, it's like all of a sudden, like so strong. I was like, well, you know, I, I'm not sure if that's how we should label someone like that. But Peter and Jesus had that. And obviously Jesus is Lord. So he could tell Peter what he wants to, right? And so, but very, very open and honest things. And so also part of our role has been, I've done some writings. So here's one of the writings I've done on searching below the surface where it really analyzes how the God of the Bible is a God who is a covenant-keeping God. And how he covenants with you even in your walk and how you become a believer and uh, uh, 
and just indwelling inside us and contrasting that with Islam and how they see their God, Allah, as a contractual God, that they have told you this is the contract that you need to sign, you need to submit to this and to follow that. And so this is one way also to challenge our thinking of what is around us and the people we may know and we may meet. And so this is uh, one of the opportunities you may have that you can read and look at. Also, uh, but on the other side, we find that not just that, learning about other things, but also we find that Jesus blesses Peter and he encourages him. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, another Peter, uh, bar Jonah, I mean the son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. I'm very thankful I have a leader over us who is very encouraging. We just had a conference, and every time I turned around, I saw or heard him complimenting someone else, complimenting myself, complimenting people, encouraging people. And I was like, man, I just, uh, this is something I definitely need to adopt and try to encourage and help others and bless others. And so what compliments can you give someone else looking on the positive side? Uh, and so this is always something I have to think about. I think of uh, my Afghan friend. He's pastoring uh, Afghans who literally, uh, I remember one lady, her husband was in, in prison because he wanted to get smuggled out of the country. And then he got out. And then took, he's working with these people that the bottom line is they want to go west, whatever means they can go. And how do you minister and encourage someone in that situation? Uh, I think of my own, uh, my own wife was this past year has been teaching a little uh, Persian boy English. He speaks very good English. And uh, she's been teaching, working with him almost daily during the school year, right? And uh, had a little uh, Zoom call or chat uh, and face-to-face time and helping him to read the basics of uh, English. And so this is some way to bless someone else. What can you do? How can you help other people? And so this is what people come into our uh, circle, and we're doing the same thing, trying to help them and work with them. Another area that Jesus helped uh, with Peter is that he shared spiritual moments. Now think of Second Peter. It's a great passage, especially about the inspiration of Scripture, because this is where it's part of that same, the verses after talk about that. So he says here, by inspiration, Peter writes, but we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we are made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty for when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son. Great testimony of God the Father saying that Jesus is his beloved son because in a lot of the people groups that we work with, they don't believe that Jesus should be called the son of God. But here Peter Here's the voice of God saying who Jesus is. And then with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, and for we were with him on the holy mountain. So Jesus invites Peter into those holy moments, those precious moments. And so maybe you have those times or those situations, and who are you inviting along? Ah, I just do it myself. I'm an introvert. I like going by myself, just do it. And it's really a struggle to ask someone to join. And they always say in these conferences, you should always have someone go with you. But I'm thinking like, you know, I went the other day, uh, this Persian couple invited us over. And I said, can I bring so-and-so along? She's like, no, no. (laughs) It's okay. Some of the dynamics also in that part of the world, there's trust issue. 
who they are and why they are and what do they trust the person and their connection back in their homeland. And so you just got to respect them for that. But it's, uh, sometimes it's a challenge to share those moments together. The basis, really, of missions, of ministry, of anything you do, whatever you're doing in this church, the basic thing is your walk with God. Your time with God. Is it happening? Reading the scriptures every day, praying every day. I'm amazed. I think this is the major thing. Those who walk away from church, walk away from their spouse, uh, do something, you're thinking like, where did this come from? You can track normally, backtrack on their path and see. And you can, if you had the chance to ask them, When's the last time you have been in the scriptures? When's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you've connected with God? Our hearts focus. Reading this morning from Proverbs 4.23, it said, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring. It is the artesian well. It's the source of everything you do. Where is your heart today? God does not want people to serve in the church no matter where you are, who don't have, are not connected to him. It's not a successful, uh, professional success we're looking for. We're looking for people who care, love God, want to walk with God, and this is the basis. Why are we struggling? I'm not saying that everything will go well, you know, great if we walk with God, but why do we struggle with other relationships? I know that when I, often I have to quote the scripture thinking of, Philippians 1.3. I've been in when I was a teenager in a camp situation, had a roommate. Oh, man, this roommate drove me crazy. And so in the morning, I just started praying, Lord, I just thank God. I thank you for this person. Philippians 1.3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Because when you remember the person, what do you want to do? You want to vent? You want to complain? Well, let's replace that and think, okay, I thank God for this person. This person's my sandpaper, right? God's going to do something with this person. Why did God bring this person to my life? You know, we sing the song, I follow you and I'll love the ones you love. Well, but God loves this person. <laughs> How do you want me to relate with this one? So it's the focus of our heart and our desires of our heart. Think of the Persian church and um, bringing friends in the summer. This one lady brought this other lady to church. And then she said to me, sit in there over the tea, she wants to accept Christ as her Savior. So I thought, okay, I should talk to her, share the gospel. So I said, you know, what do you think about Jesus? And, you know, and then she said, no, no, no. She's ready right now to accept Jesus as her Savior. Can you do the prayer, right? Because she's talked to her. And I thought, okay, sure. So I, uh, it's in Persian, so I have it written out. So I make sure I do it. And I said, you please, you, know, you say the prayer uh, for her. So she did that. And while she's, this one lady is praying the prayer, the lady next to her is also praying the prayer. And so when we got done, the other lady said, I did that same prayer. This lady, she's 76, I don't know how old she is. I mean, she grew up in a Muslim society all her life. And then this, uh, you know, she, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Just amazing what God is doing, how God is drawing people to, to himself. Especially from an area where the, the government controls everything, even women, what you wear on your head. And you saw some of the videos, so actually it was a protest that I filmed uh, from over in that area against that. 
but that's something that just takes place that God is bringing people. I think of another man I walked with this summer, a widower whose um, uh, wife passed away, who pretty much most of their life, they uh, brought up a, a child that had many disabilities and then he, you know, he passed away. And when he passed away, his wife passed away soon after. So he's in my country and we're, you know, we're spending time together. And sometimes he can find work, sometimes he can't. Concerned about his future, can he reside in this country or not? Walking along the people that God brings you, seeking accountability, asking him the difficult questions at times. So sometimes our life, in even where we are, consists of texting, calling, spending time with, his peer, with people. Think of the last of uh, John, the chapter of John. You know, we know that Peter denied and said, no, I don't know him. And, you know, the denial of Peter. And then Jesus brings the restoration of Peter. So he, was, he didn't give up on Peter. He was willing to work with them and help them through the difficult times. And then he asked the question, Simon, going back to his original name, when he first met him and just time the intimacy of uh, talking to him, son of, before it was Jonas, now it's John in this text, it's same meaning there, do you love me more than these? In other words, these fish, this job, this gathering these fish. Remember the calling at the beginning, they were actually fishing and God, Jesus said, follow me, I'll make your fishers of men. It goes right back to that calling in Matthew, I think four, I think it was. And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Three times, three times denied, three times restoration. He didn't give up on him. Feed my sheep. We consistently teach, help other people, and there's people that we think they should be put aside and not have nothing to do with them. But I know even in my own home church, uh, there are people who have stepped away and I had people, friends of mine, that have continued to work and search, help those people try to bring back, to be reconciled. You know, if, if God did not, if God made people useless who have done major sins, then you would look at some of the greatest people in the Old Testament like David, who was a adulterer and a uh, murderer, uh, became you know, a man who wrote many psalms. God still used him. Paul himself, his clothes of the martyred Stephen was at his feet. You know, God forgave him and brought him to Christ. I remember my teacher in high school, she was Catholic, and I said, she said, God can't forgive a murderer. And I said, are you serious? I mean, who's the greatest person in the Old Testament? One of the greatest persons, David. Who's the greatest in the New Testament? Paul, and didn't, weren't they both murderers? Didn't God forgive them both and use them? And she's like, oh, I can't believe you're saying that. <laughs> Just walked away. <laughs> you know, grace and mercy extends, especially in our day-to-day, right? How much grace and mercy do we need uh, with other people? We have so much chaos swirling around us and all that goes on. I love this picture and for us, one of the joys of our work is working with the deaf. I know very minimal sign language, but the deaf in, in Iran particularly can read lips, so I speak Farsi and I do some actions. And uh, in this picture itself, I've counted 15 deaf in this picture. They're all from a Muslim background. This picture is in the middle of Ramadan. You know what Ramadan is? That's the month of fasting, from daylight to sunlight, sun, sunset. Look at the window on the right. What time of day is that? It's about four o'clock in the afternoon. They were all eating with us because we were a community 
We were together. We cared for them. And this shows you that God is working. The Jesus film, Among the Deaf, in Persian, did not exist until about five years ago. In the video, if you saw before, the lady was translating. She is the translator for the Jesus film. In other words, up to five years ago, no Persian deaf had the chance to hear the gospel, understand it. Great opportunity. It's coming our way. Even in our neck of our woods, the countries we live in, we see how God is working and God is drawing people. You hear the news, you hear the negative, but the fastest church, growing church in the world is the Persian world. I meet Afghans that are in hiding because their government, you can't even go on the street during any time of prayer and not be forced to pray. So I have believers that say, hey, I only go out when it's not the call to prayer because I don't want to be forced to pray. The freedoms we have, the people that we need to reach out to. There's many ways. I'm not tech savvy, but those of you who are, you can download the Jesus Film app. And when you go the next time to Persian, Arab, whatever nationality type of uh, restaurant, if you dare to try different foods, that is, first of all, but, or whatever market you meet somebody, you know, you can actually Bluetooth in their language, at least a portion of the Jesus film, you can tell them. I have a friend, and I'm still trying to learn this. Most of the time, like, my phone is, you know, I can't use it here because I'm not connected to Shaw or whoever the uh, company is here, right? And because my phone is American phone or overseas phone. But the ability to actually connect even and share. Hey, I have something I want to share with you. Can I share something, a, a video that I really appreciate and love? You know? Those things, those opportunities, many different ways. And that's just one way. I just kind of just was kind of uh, wanted to share that because maybe somebody in this room thinking that's how I could do that at times. Now think about just conclusion a little bit. How can we mentor and what can we do? First of all, contact. We need to contact people. And we were just sitting with, um, I'm, from, I'm from New York, so I'm upstate New York, and our pastor there just mentioned a principle. He said 52, 12, 4. And this is the requirement for their uh, deacons or for their uh, youth leaders was the 52, 12, 4 method. 52 weeks a year, you contact the person. In other words, you're texting, having some interaction. Okay, everybody does that, right? That's easy, right? You could do that. And then once a month, you're meeting with that person face-to-face, and that does not include your youth group time. doesn't include the time you're actually in church. It has to be outside that time, he says. And then he says four times a year, you do an extra activity for the whole like, youth group or for your care group. And I thought, you know... A lot of us don't have the goals to do something. But I was sitting with my, one of our Iranian friends, and he's actually studying how to be a pastor um, in Persian and stuff like that. And I said, how often should you text someone or kind of message someone, connect with someone that you're kind of like care for? And he said, you know, at least two, three times a week. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> I'm an introvert, okay? I'm not going to bother someone, you know, two, three times a week. What are you, harassing me? What are you doing, man? But in that part of the world, the Persians are very open, and it shows you care. Like, why, why are you ignoring me? Why don't you text me, you know? They always want more information and more uh, uh, contact. So, uh, but I was kind of overwhelmed and, uh, that he would say. And I said, and I asked them the next question. I said, what can I ask them? And, you know, this Iranian guy, he told me, he says, you first ask him, What's, what are you being challenged with? What's happening in your life? And then he said, how can I pray for you? I thought, well, how many years have I served? And these are such, such basic things. But the thing was, it was so easy. You ask, what's going on in your life? Okay, they can share what they want or not what they want, right? And how can I pray for you? That's very, you know... North America praying for somebody, you know, hey, can I pray for you? They're like, hey, you know. Iranians are a lot different. I mean, Iranians, like, we just, can I, I just pray for someone. I just like, I'm going to pray for you. And just, we just start praying. And the other day we had a, a visitor at our church or a speaker, and he said after, instead of the come forward and pray, and Iranians actually come forward and pray. So if I asked tonight, uh, today, come forward and pray after, you know, I don't know my, my home church, no one comes, okay? It's just, you're not, it's not something you're used to. But the Iranians, they do that. They just, half the church is forward, coming forward to pray. And we feel bad, like, oh, I'm not going forward to pray, right? And the pastor says, come on, Jeff, get over here and pray for this person. Sharon, come over here and pray for this, right? And so, but the other day, this guy said, during prayer, just learn this song, just, there's someone here you just want to pray for, just go to that person and pray. Now, our church is 16 people, you know, 20 people. I looked out, everybody had somebody that was being prayed for, being, praying for each other. I thought, how simple is that? Just praying for people. Be people of prayer. And just connect, meet up with them. There's plenty of coffee shops around, right? If you go to co-op, you can get your dividends in the, the year if you're going to invest there, right? Invest there. There's many places to go. We appreciate your prayers, concern for us. I know we're the JNS in your in your group, and so we try to be more open and honest with you. So pray for our time. We're doing this is you. We are. This is our first visit from back overseas. So if I go into another language, you could sometimes you're wondering what I'm trying to say, right? And so um, sometimes coming back or it's like, why do you say that in English? So this is we have a lot of travel, and Sharon just recently said we've been in five countries in the last two months, and so we just kind of been everywhere. So uh, even getting here, we had to go way south to go way north to come over here. So Atlanta, why we came from? I was in New York. I went to Atlanta, Georgia. Why am I there? And then Calgary and then over here. So anyhow, so we pray for you guys to get your uh, international flights open a little bit better, especially in Saskatchewan. So. But for churches and individuals to join in supporting Central Asia, and that's a challenge we would really, uh, if you're a church that's interested in supporting nationals, these folks that we know, that we've walked with, that we've known for many years, and so there's one family that we connect with our prayer letter, and they are starting house churches in a certain part of Central Asia, and then we have a single lady also that works along with her, her parents, and uh, they've all been Bible trained, they've all been doing ministry before we even attach to them in the sense of like, hey, let's and they're going to join our organization. They're going to join us and work with us, and we are their member care, and we're helping them and working with them as they minister there. So if you're interested in that, that's something um, for us. The next chapter, next thing we're really going to focus on is working with the team that's coming out to work with the deaf. And so we look forward to that. And their location, we're still unsure, because residency in our part of the world is becoming more and more of an issue. 
family, family times. We're going to spend many weeks with our, our daughter, or our son-in-law and granddaughter. And then we'll see our one daughter who we haven't seen in two years. We'll see them in, various, uh, in about two weeks, uh, 10 days from now, over in uh, Ontario. And so some of the resources make available for you if you're interested in studying more about God's oneness and uh, in, the, in the Islamic world, oneness of God is said a certain way. Even Jehovah's Witnesses say the oneness of God is a certain way. Even uh, there's called a group called uh, Holiness, no, uh, Oneness Pentecostalism. They say God's oneness is a certain way. And this book will help you understand some of those issues that I mentioned before the other ones. So we covet your prayers and we just thank you for what uh, our partnership is with you guys. Father, thank you so much for this congregation. Individually, God, I just pray you work in their hearts. I'm not sure if anything I said it would be meaningful to them, but I pray that wherever they're at, whatever's in their life, whatever challenges are in there currently, they'll think not just to do more, but to be with you and to do your will and to build your church or your relationship with other people. How to do that? I pray you give them insight, empower them, equip them to do that work, Father. And I pray you just lead and bless. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the many, many years of support for us. And I pray your blessing upon them. Continue to watch and watch over each individual and every member in this church and bless them. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Thank you so much for your time.